0: 2019 and that means there's eight months left until christmas today on the show we'll look at the history of wrapping paper we'll review a christmas movie that's in theaters right now we'll talk about the best destinations in the united states for you to spend your christmas vacation and we'll have our side dish smackdown in our road to the christmas bowl okay let's start the show Hello Christmas peeps! I hope spring is treating you well. We've got a holly jolly little show planned for you today, but I do have a bit of a bummer announcement to make here at the top of the show. Many of you have been very kind in leaving us reviews on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called this week, and as a thank you, I've been sending out either a Can't Wait for Christmas sticker or a Can't Wait for Christmas button if you email in and tell us you left a review. Well, unfortunately, the shipping for the buttons isn't something that's sustainable for me. So, unfortunately, I won't be able to offer the buttons anymore. I will still be able to offer the stickers, but I feel like kind of every podcast has stickers, and I wanted to do something different. And that's why I've decided since I can't do buttons anymore, I'll be offering Can't Wait for Christmas Temporary Tattoos. They're the same basic design as the button and the sticker, but now in a form that you can stick directly on your skin. So, sorry to have to stop the buttons, but if you leave a review at iTunes and email us at Christmas at tancast.com, you can choose from a sticker or a temporary tattoo, and I will send it to you. Okay, downer announcement over, let's get back to the merriment because we need a little Christmas now. We need a. So as I'm recording this episode, I'm practically bursting with excitement for Marvel's Avengers Endgame, which comes out for Thursday previews the day this episode drops. But Marvel isn't the only superhero game in town. The DC movie Shazam is in theaters now, if you're listening to this the week it drops. And despite its spring release date, the film is set at Christmas. So I thought folks might be interested in a review of this movie. Amy Batson. How'd you know my
1: name? Say my name so my powers may flow through you. Shazam! You have bullet immunity. I'm bulletproof. <laughs> You're dead. Champion. You're like a bad guy, right? <laughs> you i can't talk to fish what could we do with that that's cool
0: maybe uh, command a command uh, an army of billions in the ocean oh yeah Full bias warning, ever since Zack Snyder's bleak and joyless Man of Steel launched the DC Cinematic Universe in 2009, I've been disappointed more often than not with DC movies. But the previews for Shazam gave me reason to hope. Not only was it set at Christmas, it seemed lighter both in tone and in actual bright images on the screen. The story follows Billy Batson, a 15-year-old foster kid who gets turned into a grown-up superhero by an ancient wizard named Shazam. With me so far? All right, great. Whenever Billy says, Shazam, he transforms into a superhero whose name was Captain Marvel until they lost a trademark on that name to Marvel Comics, but I digress. I would say this movie is filled with the lighthearted and comedic moments you see a lot of in the trailers, but it also has a lot of surprisingly dark and violent moments that may be a little frightening for younger viewers. But the movie is quite heartwarming and had an ending that I genuinely did not see coming. But what you really want to know is how much Christmas is in the movie. Plenty. Amazingly, the movie covers three different time periods, the present and thanks to some flashback scenes six years ago and sometime in the 70s. Amazingly, it is Christmas in all three of these time periods. That's a serious commitment to Christmas in your movie. The movie has a mall Santa that plays a prominent role. It's got lights, decorations, carols, even a finale that takes place in a Christmas carnival. I would even argue that Shazam has a Linus moment. I don't want to tell you what it is, since it's part of the surprising ending I was talking about earlier, but if you don't mind some scary monsters and some violence, Shazam is a fun way to scratch that Christmas itch in the spring. But that's just one man's opinion. What did you think? Did you see Shazam? Was it Christmassy enough for you? Let us know your thoughts at Can't can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. Now let's move on to our next segment, Five Golden Things. Bye. Christmas and the United States are a natural combination. I say that because I've celebrated 100% of my Christmases here in America. But this land is vast, and there's plenty of it I haven't seen. But more specifically, there are many spots I've never seen at Christmas time. So I'm going to pour out my Christmas destination bucket list, and I'm going to do a list of places in America I would like to visit at Christmas time. Now, full disclosure, I've left out places I've already visited at Christmas time. So things like California is not on here, Tahoe is not on here, stuff like that. But I sorted these cities by reviews I read about them online and my own personal desire to see these cities at Christmas time. Okay, so let's start with... Number 5! New York City, New York. I put this one at number 5, even though it was number 1 on a lot of the lists I looked at while prepping this list. While I'd love to see the Big Apple in Christmas mode and check out the giant tree in Rockefeller Center, maybe even stay long enough to watch the ball drop in Times Square... I also worry that I have a very Hollywoodized expectation of what New York is like at Christmas, and I worry the real New York can't live up to the one in Miracle on 34th Street. But I'd still like to give it a try one day. Number four. North Pole, Alaska. Since I'm unlikely to get an invitation or opportunity to visit the actual North Pole, I'd love to trek on over to Alaska for the next best thing. They have a huge Christmas and ice celebration throughout December with ice carving contests, ice mazes, and of course ice skating. You could also catch a train to view the wintry splendor of the last frontier. And of course, if you're lucky, you'll get to see Mother Nature put up her own set of Christmas lights in the form of the Aurora Borealis. Number three, Vail, Colorado. Although skiing isn't really my thing, the idea of a Christmas in the mountains sounds super magical. From the Kris Kringle Market to horse-drawn sleigh rides to the tree lighting in Vail Village, it feels like Vail, Colorado would be the closest thing you can get to to spending Christmas inside a Hallmark Christmas movie. Number two. Honolulu, Hawaii. Now, let's be fair. I'd rather spend pretty much any day of the year in Honolulu. But who doesn't want to have a warm, tropical Christmas? Christmas surfing, hula dancing, even a Christmas luau? Tell me that doesn't sound awesome. Melakaliki maka
1: Honorable
0: Mentions! Puerto Rico! I don't really have a specific city in mind for Puerto Rico, but those people start Christmas in early December, and they don't stop until January 6th. My kind of people... Then there's Las Vegas, Nevada. I don't even have a clue what goes on there at Christmas time, but if one city in America should know how to do an amazing light display, it's Vegas, baby, Vegas! And speaking of beautiful displays, number one Walt Disney World! You had to know this was coming, right? I mean, I've spent many a Christmas season enjoying the magic of Disneyland in California, but I would love to see how they do Christmas in Florida's Walt Disney World. I want to see their huge castle decorated with all the lights, check out the international Christmas celebrations at Epcot, enjoy some lasers and fireworks at Hollywood Studios, and just marvel at the Christmas decor all over the resort. I need to win the lottery so I can make all this happen. Hot tip, you actually have to play the lottery to win the lottery? Thanks, imaginary listener that sounds like Kermit the Frog don't mention it. And that's my list. I'm sure I left out many American Christmas hotspots. In fact, let me know what they are either on the website or shoot me an email at christmas at tancast.com. And if you're thinking of some Christmas destinations outside the United States, you can bet I want to hear those too. I will definitely be making an international version of this five golden things in the future. So write in and share your favorite destinations. And speaking of you writing in, I've gotten some emails and comments regarding our March episode, and I'd like to share them with you now in an ingeniously titled segment called Feedback from Our Last Show.
1: Messages
0: from listeners
1: everywhere. Feedback on our last show. Feedback on our-
0: Last time, I talked about cleaning up before hosting a Christmas party, and Miles left a comment where he noticed I might have misspoke when I said, nobody wants Ebola for Christmas. So Miles left a comment and said, lol, while I'm certain that statement is true, in light of the reference to cleaning surfaces, especially where raw meats had been, I think you may have meant to say, nobody wants E. coli for Christmas. Even so, I still love the podcast, and I look forward to listening every month. You are right, Miles. I probably should have said E. coli, but I stand by my statement that no one wants Ebola for Christmas. I'm Tim Babb, and I approve this message. Then Miles goes on to say, P.S. I once again have been finding eggnog intermittently in the same Walmart I did last year when I let you know. I also want to let you know that the local downtown area has been leaving the Christmas lights up and turned on on the trees and bushes in the downtown district near the gazebo. They did it last year and so far this year. They did take the ones off the town Christmas tree, though. That's awesome, Miles. I love it when Christmas lights are left up. I don't care if it's intentional or if it's just laziness. I love it. It's funny because my next-door neighbor had his Christmas lights up and on every night until about two weeks ago. I was playing outside with my oldest when I looked over and I saw they had finally been taken down, and I pointed this out to my son, and he shouted and put his hands up in the air and said, "'We won!' Because we have one big rock in our front yard that's decorated with solar Christmas lights that are on every night, so now we are officially the house on the block that left their Christmas lights up the longest. Oh, and as for the eggnog, we'll get to that later. There are clearly some strong feelings about Christmas beverages among the listeners of this show. But listeners aren't quite done taking me to task quite yet. Last episode, I mentioned using paper plates as a way to avoid washing a bunch of dishes at the end of your party. Well, after hearing that, Ander wrote in to say, Hello, Tim. I love your podcast. Every month I'm looking forward to your show. About your March episode, I disagree in your paper plates for a Christmas party. I feel they are cheap, tacky, not fancy, and lazy. Lazy is in capital letters. Plus, you contaminate our planet. We love to entertain, and we always have a fabulous Christmas party in our house. My decorations are always very high-end. I can't imagine a party with paper plates, plastic silverware, and solo cups. Scared face emoji, scared face emoji, scare face emoji. It will kill the magic. Also, we always clean immediately after the party, so when we wake up, the house is perfect. Let's keep the planet clean and wash our dishes. Smiley face emoji, smiley face emoji, thumbs up emoji, earth emoji. Love, Ander. Well, Ander, very appropriate since Earth Day was just a few days ago, but as you may know, I live in California, and we're just coming off a multi-year drought, so I don't honestly know sometimes if it's worse to use paper plates or worse to use all that water washing dishes. I will say that we are able to compost our paper plates here, so at least they're not just getting dumped in a landfill somewhere. Thanks for writing in. And speaking of Christmas traditions that are less than ideal for the environment, let's get to today's feature segment Wrapping Paper. paper is older than you might think. Not only does it predate our modern or even Victorian celebrations of Christmas, it predates Christmas. Wrapping paper is nearly as old as paper itself. Some of the earliest evidence we have of gift wrap goes back to the southern Song dynasty of ancient China in the 2nd century BC. The imperial court would bestow gifts of money on government officials, but they would put that money in little folded envelopes they called chi Pao. You see, the gift of money in these red envelopes is said to bring good luck and ward off evil spirits. Basically, gift wrap comes from a place in the human psyche that places more value on something when it's dressed up, like how a guy in a tux is somehow more exciting than a guy in board shorts and a tank top, even if it's the same guy. So if we're giving a gift, we want to dress it up to make it feel more special. In the old days, that simply meant covering the gift in simple tissue paper. Well, I mean, I say simple, but that was rather extravagant at the time and pretty much the exclusive realm of the wealthy. But then, around the Victorian era, we get the introduction of the Christmas card. And as the printing press is developed, it's easier for more people to get Christmas cards, and they start getting fancy by putting them in decorative envelopes. And then people decide they want to have wrapping for the gifts that matches their decorative envelopes. But this usually involves people drawing or painting designs on the wrapping paper by hand. Also keep in mind, this is before we had scotch tape, so they weren't taping those edges down. They were using melted wax and sometimes even pins. Like, I have trouble getting the size to look good on my presents with tape as it is. I can only imagine how impossible it was to try and make that happen with a pin, all the while making sure you don't stab the present you're wrapping or stab yourself. Anyway, after it caught on in Europe, gift wrapping made the jump over the pond to here in the U.S., which is where it really took off. You see, in 1917, Raleigh B. Hall was working in the Halls store in Kansas City, Missouri, when they ran out of plain white tissue paper for gift wrapping. In true American MacGyver spirit, he dashed into the back to look for something to replace it with. What he found was decorative colored paper from France that was used for lining the insides of envelopes. See what I mean? Humans love dressing things up to make them special. It's not enough that you have a card. It's not enough that card is in an envelope. But let's put an extra piece of pretty paper in there with it. Anyway, Hall put a big stack of those sheets of paper by the register as a replacement for the normal gift wrap. And they were wildly popular, and he sold out of those too. The next year, he bought even more envelope liner paper to meet the gift wrap demand, but he sold out again. Pretty soon, Hall's stores would start printing their own wrapping paper with bright colors and Christmas designs. Oh, and Hall's store... You might have heard of it. It's a little place he ran with his brother called Hallmark. So yeah, that's how gift wrapping became a major business all by itself. And while they are still making and selling plenty of wrapping paper at Hallmark, the last couple of years, gift bags have started to overtake wrapping paper in terms of gift concealment dollars. And that just makes sense. Gift bags are way better than wrapping paper in a lot of ways.
2: Hold the phone, man!
0: Hey there! If it isn't my younger self, come from the past to give us a visit. What's going on, little Tim? You can't honestly think that gift bags are better than wrapping paper. I mean, kinda. They're so much
2: easier. But there's nothing more fun than tearing into your Christmas wrapping and revealing the gift underneath. It's tactile. It's dramatic. It's clearly way better than grabbing that awkward wad of tissue paper in the bag and seeing your present just plopped in the bottom.
0: Well, sounds like there's only one way to settle this. A calmly reasoned debate weighing
2: the pros and cons of gift wrap and gift bags?
0: No, with an epic rap battle! A what now? DJ, drop the beat! Epic GIF-Rap of history! Wrapping paper versus It's a Christmas rhyme, and I'm here today to rap about rapping in a different way. Why would you choose wrapping paper for your present? The experience is tedious and generally oh, unpleasant. It. You gotta measure it, cut it, fold, fold it along the sides, and you gotta start again because you cut it the wrong time. I mean, I guess when you're done, the gift looks pretty great, but now you miss a Christmas party because all that wrapping made you late. Give Bag, baby, That's the way to get, get it done Spend less time rapping, More time having fun I drop presents in the bag Like I drop dope rhymes I can use this gift bag Again another time
2: Nothing demonstrates How much you think of me Like recycling a gift bag In 2017 But <laughs> show me a gift Wrapped to Christmas perfection I'll show you a gift That will be my first selection It's hard for you to argue With the thought that counts When you just made a target, target run, run On the way to my house You didn't stop to think about What your gift was gonna say You just chucked, chucked it in it a bag, bag And called it a day. day With proper gift wrapping You can give your gift some style lame songs With lame socks And grandma sure To get a smile A wrapped present Needs a tree Needs something great to
0: store, so save your little bags for for the the grocery store. We bring bags to the store to not use so much plastic, but all that wrapping paper is still killing the planet. You'll make obsolete every botanist and forest. When to make all your gift wrap, we we destroy every forest. I shall speak for the the trees, trees since the trees have no tongues, tongues. and I'm asking you, sir, at the top top of of my lungs, lungs. be a hero to the earth. Don't be a villain cut down on the waste for the sake of the the children. children. Yeah, sure, it's fun for the kids to rip open some presents. Less fun when they're grown and trash is omnipresent. So grab a gift bag. Don't fall in the paper Paper trap. trap. You wouldn't want the planet to get a bad rap. Your
2: reasoning is a little hard to decide like it was hard to find a decent lyric in your last cypher If the environment is really what you're worried about here What do you think the bag is made of a bunch but of I hear hair from Santa's beard? Besides, you don't have to throw the wrapping in the trash You recycle it or use it to make, make some cool crap. You don't come at me here with facts you haven't backed up This battle's like a Christmas present all, all wrapped up. up
1: Who won? Who's next? You decide!
0: Really resolved anything. No, but it was a great way to wrap up this segment. Ugh, my future self is an abyss of dad jokes. I'm out of here. He's not wrong, but hey, if you want to learn even more about the history of wrapping paper, check out the season one episode of Christmas Past. Brian Earl's podcast gives you even more insight about how wrapping paper came to be. You see, The Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is part of the Christmas Podcast Network, a collection of the greatest Christmas podcasts around, including Christmas Past. And if you listen to his episode about wrapping paper, it includes an interview with an author who knows the history of the Denison Manufacturing Company and their importance in the evolution of gift wrap. I'll put a link to this episode of Christmas Past in the show notes, but you can find out more about Christmas Past and all the shows on the Christmas Podcast Network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Oh, I should also mention that Brian's show was where I got the idea to use the song Christmas Wrapping for that epic rap battle beat. He talked about the Waitress's original version, but I used the Spice Girls cover because that beat was way more rappable. And it's funny because that song is not actually about gift wrapping, but it is now. Hey, but before we go, the rap battle may be over, but a food fight is about to break out. Let's get to the segment that, based on some of the comments and votes I've seen, many of you are waiting for. It's time to check in on the road to the Christmas bowl. la, 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 la,
1: la, 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 la
0: All year, we're going to have two different Christmas dishes compete each month for your votes until we decide what is the ultimate Christmas food. Last time, we put eggnog against hot cocoa, and we got an amazing response. This was the most votes we've ever gotten for any poll in the history of this podcast. We got more votes than any who sang it best, more votes than any round of the 2016 Jingle Brawl, and even more votes than the Is Die Hard a Christmas Movie poll. Some of you were enthusiastic in your love for eggnog. Others of you couldn't stand it. And then some of you had a really hard time choosing. And it showed in the results. In the beginning, it was tied for the longest time. Then, hot cocoa surged ahead. But then, in the last few weeks, eggnog slowly crawled its way back to a 50-50 tie. Finally, in the last few hours... Hot Cocoa pulled ahead to achieve the win, 52% to 48%. So Hot Cocoa will be enjoying mincemeat pie in round two this summer. But we're not done with round one quite yet. It's time, it's time to, meet to meet tonight's, meet tonight's contestants. contestants. It's a side dish smackdown, starting off in this quarter with a side dish that's so sweet, you might mistake it for a dessert. Now, technically, these are called sweet potatoes, but you might know them by another name.
1: Yams! <laughs>
0: And in the other corner, straight out of your aunt's oven and onto your Christmas dinner buffet, it's the only time kids look forward to a vegetable, green Green bean 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 casserole! casserole! You decide the side. The poll is open now at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. You can vote once a day, every day, until the polls close on May 23rd. Then, we'll announce the winner on our May 25th show, and we'll see which one of these will continue on the road to the Christmas Bowl. And that's going to do it for another happy adventure in the Christmas cave. I hope you all had fun. Be sure and send me your favorite Christmas destinations, and drop us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts podcast and email us about it and i will send you either a sticker or a temporary tattoo and of course be sure to vote for your favorite side dish in the christmas bowl poll okay i'm gonna start camping out for avengers endgame now but i'll see you in may and until then keep laughing all the way and that was christmas
1: 1983
0: actually dad it's 2019 oh hey
1: Oh oh Thank you for listening to the can't wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on iTunes or we're available on stitcher and Google play as well. If you'd like to leave a comment on this or any episode, go to our official website at can't wait for Christmas While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, bumper stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas merchandise all year long. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash can't, wait for christmas pod or on twitter we are at christmas pod or you could always send us an email directly at christmas at tancast.com the can't wait for christmas podcast is part of the tancast podcast network we wish you a merry christmas was performed by the united states marine corps band and this amazing version of jingle bells on the accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented kristen nowicki all other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. What he found was.
0: What he found was creative. What he found was creative colored paper? Mmm. Sometimes the autocorrect... I don't notice the autocorrect fixes things while I type. Creative colored paper? I'm sure it was creative, but I don't think that's what I meant to say. Decorative! Decorative! Ha ha ha! Decorative! See, there's a D, a space, and creative. I can clearly tell that that was supposed to be decorative. Ha <laughs> ha! Take that autocorrect. Tim wins! But then, in the last few weeks, eggnog slowly crawled its back way to a... What? Alright, I feel like I should put this part in the outtakes. If you're not familiar with the phenomenon of epic rap battles of history, it's a YouTube channel that takes two sometimes fictional, sometimes real life figures in history and has them do an epic rap battle against each other. That's where the inspiration for a lot of this episode came. I should point out, it is not safe for work. It is not safe for children. They have These characters say things that you should not have children hearing or repeating, but I do actually quite like them, and so I put a link to the Epic Rap Battles of History uh, YouTube playlist, which actually just started making new episodes again, which is why I thought this was a good bit of synergy. But again, if you're a kid, or you don't like foul language, you should not bother clicking on that link. Alright, good times.